Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Maloof and Barbara Turley. Hey everyone, social media land. Welcome to another episode of our special COVID-19 uh, series of the Virtual Success Show podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Turley, and today I am joined by somebody who has become somewhat of a friend. Um, Jenny Blake is author of Pivot, the book called Pivot, The Only Move That Matters Is Your Next One, um, and she also hosts um, the podcast. Jenny, what's the name of the podcast? Pivot with Jenny Blake. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Jenny. And she's here to talk to us today about this whole concept of pivoting. It's very easy to talk about it. And everybody out there right now is talking about how in this crisis that, you know, of course, there's going to be opportunity. There's going to be opportunity absolutely everywhere because in every crisis there is. And those who know how to pivot and those who can handle the pace of pivoting and pull it off can do quite well. From my own experience over the last, what, we're five weeks into this whole thing, five, six weeks into this thing, and what I have personally found um, difficult, and I wanted to talk to Jenny about this today, is, you know, tr when you've, you're coming out of saving your business in the initial stages of the crisis, and then you have to try to shift very quickly into a different frame of mind, which is the creative side of yourself to try to pivot your business and get the animal spirits flowing again of entrepreneurship. And it's hard to wake up every day and to try and get yourself into the right mindset to do it when you've come out of kind of being, you know, beaten over the head every day with your ops and, and trying to save your clients and, and save the business. So Jenny, welcome to the show and talk to us about, you know, how do we, how do we quickly shift this mindset and how much of it is mindset? you can talk to us about that. Well, there's so much that you said there. And I think one thing is giving ourselves permission to be on this roller coaster and have, that's really what do we train for as entrepreneurs is that exact journey, that exact roller coaster. But right now during a global pandemic, a crisis, the volume to switch metaphors, the volume on that station just got turned all the way up to a 10. So we're going to, I feel that the highs are high and the lows are pretty low. And what you describe, Barbara, is so important is, I don't know about you, but I also simultaneous to all the stress, I felt a lot of adrenaline trying to navigate every single day <laughs> these first five weeks. And I do a lot of keynote speaking and traveling for work. All of that was canceled. Not all of it went straight to virtual. So there is a big lull in my business. And a lot of companies that I, I do large scale pivot programs have their budgets on hold because they're doing the same thing we are trying to batten down the hatches, tighten the belt and weather the storm. So I found myself with adrenaline, the highs and lows. And then as you said, now there's still, I still feel we're in listening mode a little bit of what do people really need? There is a lot of noise now of everyone who is kind of freaking out and figuring out how do we pivot during this time. So for me, listening comes a little bit before creating and sometimes in parallel too. And during the creation process, I think part of the skill of this and entrepreneurs have already a great head start is navigating the creative process, staying open to that, 
staying receptive so that we're not in panic mode because you can't create from panic mode while still holding the operational side in our minds and still addressing that because I don't think we're done making those shifts either. Yes. I love that you've said listening um, because I definitely, I think the pressure I was feeling, I can imagine a lot of people out there are feeling the same is that you, you feel this pressure to, okay, I'll fix that. I've done that bit. Uh, I now need to pivot. And you're sort of thinking, well, I actually did it quite quickly and I developed this whole new thing that we were going to go out to market with. And we haven't because <laughs> something in my gut has sort of said to me, hold on, maybe just hold the horses there for a second. And I've questioned why I've been holding off. It just doesn't feel quite right yet. And probably because I think what you're saying, I just went straight for the pivot and didn't necessarily listen that deeply. And the market is still trying to figure out what it's doing itself and, and where this is all landing. But how long should we listen for? I mean, you know, when you say listening, um, can you give us some tips around um, how to sort of, how to listen, how to listen more effectively to, to what's really out there? I love what you just highlighted, which is listening to your own intuition. And I'll give you a similar example with all my big corporate programs on pause or canceled or postponed. I started to think, well, should I just email all my former coaching clients and bring on a whole slew of, of coaching work, which is what I did to sustain myself as bridge income for nine years. But I made the commitment to myself in 2020 that I wanted to work on the business, not delivering services. So even though I like coaching, in fact, I often love coaching. I've been doing it since 2008. I just like you, I'm hesitating because there's something about it that isn't honoring my original intention and where I saw myself growing in the vision. It would almost be a move, a stopgap move. And I'm not ready to make that move yet. And I, I do think that it's important to pause until you feel very clear that, yes, I would choose this path, not just out of fear, but out of excitement and possibility. Because otherwise, even the pivot you were thinking of making with your team, there's probably a very valid reason that you haven't hit the launch button yet. And it's important to know what those are. And I think that's part of not freaking out. And that's a privilege, depending on how much cash runway each of us has as well. So there may come a point where that runway is totally gone and we need to do whatever it takes. And that's fine too. But what you're highlighting is not jumping straight to whatever it takes such that you're digging yourself out of a project-based hole on the other side of this in addition to financial. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. And in terms of specific strategies for listening, things like getting on the phone with former clients, current clients, and you, Barbara, potential clients. So the reason we're here today is that instead of having someone on your team take the, my inquiry about working with you, you got on the phone. And so in a way that helps you get more closely in touch with the people that you're serving and what they need. Yeah. I was telling you that I needed, I felt the need to fill these calls with clients now because I wanted to listen to what people were asking for now. So actually, I suppose I was kind of listening. And it puts you in closer touch with the pulse of your business and your client base. And I'll share just one more strategy because I think it's brilliant. My friend Leanne Hughes, she hosts a podcast called First Time Facilitator in Australia. She put her listening to her right out on the podcast. She said, if any of you listening want to book me for 20 minutes, I just want to hear what's on your mind. Here's my Calendly link and let's chat. So that's an open call. You know, it goes far beyond even her current clients and just anybody that happens to be listening. So imagine the, what I call it serendipity popcorn of that. Who's going to schedule? And Barbara, I would say to your, your, you and your team's credit, you also have an open scheduling link on your website. So 
it's it's very broad in a way you're constantly listening by doing that yeah and what i want to sort of veer into now is i think for me what ended up happening and you know i like to share my own experience with this so you know you guys listening to this can can know this is this is actually coming from my own experience of what i've been going through and i know others are going through this I sort of realized that I had made that knee-jerk reaction of thinking that I had to pivot. And because everyone's talking about it, but maybe you don't have to. So I just want to talk, I've sort of come to the conclusion that I might not need to, and maybe it will be distracting to pivot. But I want to just focus on for a second the businesses that have been decimated, right? There are some that are just been completely decimated, cash flow completely gone to zero, and maybe they're in a really bad headspace and they're struggling to figure out: do I just give up? you know, am I just dead in the water? Or how do you come out of that and then rise into a pivot from that mindset? Yeah. Wow. What a great question. And I can't even say I'm the expert on that because we're all still living through it. It's almost, I'm picturing the Phoenix rising from the ashes. We just don't know what the Phoenix looks like. The, the entrepreneur, the chef, the restaurant owner, you know, the person, salon owner, there's so many businesses, like you said, that have just decimated. We don't know if all of those businesses will survive. I'm sure there's a percentage of people who are adamant that they come back online and they do whatever it takes to get back. Then there are going to be some that take this time to pause and reflect and say, was I happy with, with the way the business was going in my lifestyle? And do I want to do things differently? And I think that's for every individual person to sit with. And they call it, like, this is a time of, of chaos and complete loss of control. And even for so many people, probably the dark night of the soul, which I just heard someone on a podcast said, it's the dark night of the ego. I think it was Tosha Silver. It's the dark night of the ego because the soul is light and the soul knows there's, there is growth that can happen, but it's so hard when you're right in the middle of it. And I, if, if they might not know what to do yet, I mean, part of the listening in that, in that moment is, is actually just saying, I'm stuck here show me one next step and kind of surrendering every single day to say, I have no clue what to do. I am heartbroken. I'm devastated. I am under so much pressure. What's just one thing I could do today. I'm almost feeling like, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, it's actually okay for, for anyone listening out there that is in this situation. It's also okay that if your pivot is to pivot into pause, that maybe that is the listening that maybe like you were saying, Someone might actually look deep inside and say, do you know what? I actually hated doing that business anyway. I was stressed out all the time. Yes, things are terrible, but maybe maybe it is time for you to just pause and just to kind of get out in nature. And, you know, well, you can't get out much because we're all in isolation. But, you know, to try to sit with yourself. Um, and those who feel differently um, and loved what it was they were doing, well, I suppose it doesn't cost anything to get on the phone and talk to people like we've just been saying. And I've been talking to people who are in the same industry as me, do the same business as me, clients, friends, people in different industries. Uh, I've gotten on this podcast more just to talk to people. And I find the more that I'm talking to people, the more ideas, the more my creativity is coming back and my energy is coming back because everyone's sharing together. So maybe that's the thing that, you know, anyone kind of really stuck at the bottom of the barrel right now uh, can, can think about doing. Yeah, I'm noticing too, like a little more creativity, the more I accept what all has just happened, you know, it's just kind of, okay, this all happened now from here, where do we go? Well, now, where do I feel called? It's in a way it's just page one or turning, closing the chapter on one book of the business, the book of our businesses. And then we're almost starting a new book now. 
and how are we going to write it? What's it going to be like? I also think that it's very hard to build the plane while flying it. That's something that you hear often, especially in business. It's really hard to do that. It's hard to get clear on your systems and your software and your budget and your team while serving clients and supporting supporting people every day and trying to make sales and trying to negotiate contracts and trying to so there's a lot that when things slow down this much for some of us not everybody there's a real chance to recalibrate and actually refine a lot of that stuff behind the scenes which i know is something you and your team help people with yeah we have been doing a lot of that recently yeah so I'm interested to delve, and this might be a tricky question. I just thought of it on the hop, but the the concept of the book, the only move that matters is your next one. What I love about that statement is that how far ahead should we be thinking? Like, you know, should we be trying to plan this all out or or is it really only the next step that you do need to think about? And maybe just sort of unpack that for, for us a little bit more. In the book, I say that the five year question is totally out of date. There's even more in the business and entrepreneurship space now of saying you don't even need a business plan. If anything, it should be one page. The authors of a book called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work, they're also the co-founders of Basecamp. They call it a one-page business guess. (laughs) That they say, no matter what. I don't even have one. I've never done one. Exactly. (laughs) I just kind of go with it, you know. (laughs) And what I find so funny is that for years, I didn't have any specific goals in my business. Starting when Pivot came out in 2016, I didn't... I had ideas and I had things that that would be cool. Of course, I wanted it to get momentum and traction and ideally hit a tipping point someday and earn earn out the advance. But I was never really attached to all these very serious quarterly OKRs and business goals that everyone talks about. And last year, I set a revenue target. And then 2020, I was like, okay, let's start tracking our metrics as a team. Let's get serious. Boom. And then as of March, it's like whatever goals, whatever even revenue targets, who knows by the end of the year, maybe we'll all hit what we set out to. But if you look at the Q1 report, profit and loss report, it's not not nearly what any of us probably were expecting even in January, two months prior. So yeah, it sounds like you operate this way as well. But I think that because I just think people go, Can you give us your forecasting? I'm like, well, I can, but I mean you know, this could happen, <laughs> you know, like when I come from financial markets where stuff happens all the time. And I think, yeah, it's, you know, it just, you got to get a kind of rough idea of where you're going and then, and then try to, you know, keep, keep move keep moving, keep moving on a daily, weekly basis. And I do think it's important to have business streams of income, a diversified pivot portfolio, as I would call it. It's important to have pivot runway. It's important to know how, does your business succeed when things are going really well and the economy is flush? And how do you stay afloat or even thrive when we're in a downturn or a recession or a depression? And it's important to think that through because not all businesses are counter-cyclical or not all businesses have prepared for that. The reason, so in fact, just to finish on the only move that matters is your next one. For me, that's about staying present. And I know you're similar, but it's, it's that intuition about what's the one next project or what's the one part of the business that is working best that we can double down on and that you don't have to know how it's going to turn out and you don't need to attach to it either. But if you keep following those clues, the years that I didn't plan any goals at all, I still earned more. My revenue was still up and to the right every single year. It just, I wasn't attached to it. And what about, you mentioned a pivot runway. 
Talk to me about what is that? What's a pivot runway? I'm very interested to know, delve a bit deeper into this whole method, the pivot method. Oh yeah. Well, thank you. I borrowed runway from the financial world and startups that runway is just how much cash you have. So if you look at your monthly net, your burn rate, how much are you spending each month? And I, and I do think there's been a ton these last few weeks about everybody look at what you're subscribed to cut back only to essential expenses. So many people have cut their team members, which is devastating. If you know, if you really like your team and are happy with the setup, but you want to keep your business afloat to be able to bring them back on. So that's what runway is. It's just how much time do you have until you have to pivot again? So what you and I were saying, Barbara, in a way, listening is a luxury. It means that you have some time to do that. For some people, they have to pay the bills in a week or two weeks, and they just simply have to figure it out. Some might do that by talking to their landlord and asking, can I postpone any and all things that I'm I owe money on and others will say, I'll take any job, even if it's bagging groceries so that I make these commitments. I love that we went there because that means the length of your runway is like, you know, I, I think, you know, that's probably, as you say, big in the startup world and those seeking funding and all that kind of thing. But in the general, you know, most smaller businesses are not thinking about it that way. Or maybe I'm the only one who wasn't really thinking about it that way. I suppose maybe deep down, I sort of had it in the back of my head, but I hadn't really formulated that as an idea and i think it's important to know what is that at any stage in the business and it's nearly more important than the forecasting of what, where you think you might be in three or four months time it's more what would be the runway if uh, if things change yeah so if the runway is tiny <laughs> at the moment or non-existent it's going to be harder to take off into a pivot that's a cool analogy of like the actual runway of a plane that's true. Yeah, it's almost like taking off or landing. I like how Mike Michalowicz, he's the author of Profit First, Clockwork, Fix This Next, some really great business books. He talks about contributing to your business reserves account and that, you know, you know, another way to put this is business reserves or even on the personal front, an emergency fund. And that ideally it has six months. Your emergency fund should have six months of your personal household living expenses. And then the business reserves ideally would have six months of your operating expenses for the business, which is quite a large number, by the way. So I was thinking, that, does anyone really do that though? I mean, you know, if you're scaling a business, I mean, this is the challenge. I think a lot of people were, when you're trying to scale, I mean, you know, do you, do you have money on reserve or do you, do you, you know, take risk on and invest in growing the business and all that sort of thing? So I think that's all great. Theory. And it's so tempting to just, it's so tempting to reinvest the money and grow the business. And I certainly have made that choice many, many times to the point where I don't have six months of business reserve. <laughs> I wish I did now, but yeah, so that's tricky. Yeah. But I, I guess maybe that's something that will come out of this is that moving forward, we take a portion of every, this is the profit first method, but just like we fund our tax account every with, for me, every check that comes in gets divided into the profit first chunks of tax operating expenses, owner pay and profit. And maybe from going forward, there just needs to be a fifth called business reserves and it gets funded from every single deposit that goes in. Well, I suppose it's all about de-risking. I mean, you know, business going, you know, entrepreneurship is risky, but I mean, there are ways to de-risk this if you can come out of this strong and, or, you know, just come out of this thing. And I mean, I'm a firm believer that there, there's going to be so much opportunity in this market. I mean, you know, the last crisis we had was the 0809 thing, which is, you know, 10, 10 years ago, 
bit more now. So we are due this, we were actually due this crisis. I mean, who knows which way it happens, but you're due a massive rumble every, every 10 years there's one, seven to 10 years. So there will be massive opportunity coming out of this for those that can pivot and then, you know, maybe we work over the next year or two on uh, making sure that we have that reserve uh, thing going. Um, any final tips for us on, you know, what's like, is there like a, a, a crucial sort of one thing to remember that you want to share with us about pivoting? Sometimes during a crisis or when it feels like everything's falling apart, it's easy to focus on what's not working, what's broken, what we don't want, what we don't have, what we lost. That's part of the grief process and it's important, but it's not going to move anything forward necessarily. So I do think what's most important and the crux of the pivot method is double down on what's working and what brings you the most energy. So look at both pre-pandemic, what was working best, what was producing the most revenue at the most ease and the most joy, what energizes you most as the founder or the owner of the business. And you can ask this, of course, of your team members too. And I do think it's still important to say what does success look like? So just like you, Barbara, we were due for this. We can come through this stronger. As hard as it may be to picture three or six months from now, or even by the end of the year, what will weathering this successfully look like for you and for your business? What would be happening? You know, and painting that, doubling down on what's working and painting the picture of what's possible. It's so important. It's like on Google Maps, you know, you are here and this is where you want to end up. Now you can look at all the possible paths and routes and roadblocks to get there. But without those two brackets or anchoring points, it can lead to more flailing and confusion. Oh, that's really great advice is that whole like, you know, taking taking back control of what you can control um, and then visualizing what, you know, just slowly inching your way towards towards that goal and that vision. Listen, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And just, I do think this is the topic that, you know, it's very easy to throw the word pivot around, but I think a lot of people are in panic about how to pivot and should I pivot and have I done it fast enough? And like last week I was thinking like, I, ha I haven't pivoted fast enough. Everyone's out with their thing now and I, I haven't done it. But yeah, listening to your intuition, I think is very important in that, in that scenario. Do you think, I'm curious, Oh, I know you're, I know you're closing us out, but will you just say one thought on why do you think it is that you haven't, cause you had the idea of what you could launch, but that you haven't yet. I'm just curious what your intuition is saying around that. My intuition is saying that I've resisted launching that thing for many years for a reason. It is a completely, I was going to, so we still have this in the, you know, I'll put it out there. We do dedicated VAs, dedicated staff through the virtual hub. Uh, that's what we do in the Philippines, uh, mainly in digital marketing. Um, and we know that at the moment, everyone's online, everyone's trying to launch podcasts. They're trying to get their Shopify site up. Everyone's trying to capitalize on the traffic, or they're going to start doing this to try and do their own pivots. We're able to do those things for people. We have lots of staff that can do projects, but the issue, it's not that we can't do it. It's that I know that I am building a different business in terms of the, this, the process and the delivery and the general to try to, you know, to make sure our brand is successful and we deliver in the right way and we bring in the right client, not the wrong client and tumble everybody. I just know there's more to it than just saying, hey, we can do a podcast for you. Like we've got a process for it. We can do it. But there's a lot of the back end delivery. I just don't feel that it's going to be on brand the way I would like it to be yet. Now I could do it in a week, but I just 
wanted to sit back and say, is the market really off what it is that we do as a core business anyway? Do I need to pivot? Um, and is that the right decision for us, the team, for everyone right now? And that's kind of what's bubbling up inside. And I've decided to sit with that for a little bit longer. So I hope that answers the question. It does. And those are such great reflection questions you just posed at the end. And thank you for sharing your example. I really respect how you've set up your team and your business and talk about doubling down on what's working. In a way, what makes you unique is how much you invest in your team and your training and your systems. And I can understand that you wouldn't want to veer from that just to fill a short-term need if it doesn't reflect your long-term vision and values. Yeah. And I feel as well, like, you know, I think people are still going to need offshore teams. I think offshore teams are an incredibly cost-effective strategy. And as businesses are trying to save themselves, they're going to start looking at this. And I thought, well, what if we start doing this other thing? And then it distracts the whole team. And then we're short people for the real thing that people actually want, and it, which is our core capability. So, so that's, that was kind of where I settled. And I thought, I'm just pivoting because everyone says that you should. So sometimes maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. It's so helpful for all of us to hear your thought process and, and that it's a pivot in progress. We don't know which, which way you'll decide and either one will be perfect. But thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. And tell us, so if people want to connect with you, find out more, I mean, get the book, pivot the book, listen to your podcast, where can they go? Check out pivotmethod.com. If you go to pivotmethod.com slash FFT, that's my free mini course, free up founder time. It's geared towards solopreneurs and small business owners. So I share it here because I think Barbara, your community would appreciate that one. Again, totally free. I'll put it in the, in the comments and in the show notes and everything. Yeah, that'd be great. Perfect. And then Pivot with Jenny Blake. That's the name of my podcast. So look for it. And I've been podcasting daily since the pandemic started. So that's one of the shifts that I made because I'm home now. I'm not traveling for work and have <laughs> all this time on my hand. And it's been really fun. You may as well podcast. Yeah, everyone's podcasting more. I know even I'm doing it more because, you know, we're here anyway, we may as well do it. So, and there's so much going on. There's so much changing every day. So those of us that study change and business and how to be agile, it's like, oh, there's so much to talk about and discuss and process together. Absolutely. And I think right now, you know, I was talking to some other, you know, industry colleagues and stuff, and we we're just saying that like everyone's commenting on the frontliners at the moment, our, our nursing staff, our doctors, our hospital people. And I mean, they're just, you know, they're putting their lives on the line basically for the health crisis. But what's going to happen after this and when we come through this is the entrepreneurs and the business people are going to be the ones who will be the frontliners saving the economy. And that's everybody. It's all of you listening. It's all of us here. And we all play a role in that. And I really feel that we're going to become the, the, the first line of defense in the next crisis, the, the one that's coming after the health crisis, which is the financial and economy crisis that we're now looking into. So that's one of the reasons I'm out here trying to podcast as much as possible. Thank you so much for joining, uh, Jenny. I uh, really appreciate your insights during this time. And uh, yeah, go and check out Jenny's podcast. And I'm going to be on again later this week. I'm going to be talking to uh, Pete Moriarty from IT Genius in Australia. And we're going to be talking about getting your systems right uh, for remote work and making sure that you, if you need to move ever to remote from office or to just other locations, that your systems are already in place and set up and ready so that you can turn that on in a second. And that was one of the reasons I was able to turn it on very quickly across 
110 staff it's because I had set that up that way and Peter's going to talk to us about that until then thanks very much everyone and enjoy your day thank you for listening to the virtual success show if you found this show helpful take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together